good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Courtney Cuff, Henny Cutter gave me. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Zoe, as you know, Haley, uh, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. You're absolutely right, Dega. And this episode of Native Roots Radio is presented in partnership with Little Moments Count. Little Moments Count is a statewide collaborative focused on helping parents and caregivers learn about the importance of brain development in the first three years of life. Right on. And uh, for more information, you can visit uh, at littlemomentscount.org. And hey, we have a guest here, Wayne Soames, and you're a tribal liaison. And we're going to talk. Uh, well, I want you to introduce yourself, and I'm so happy to have you on. And uh, these little moment shows are, are really important, and there's a lot of things going on with our little ones. And uh, we love the fact that we uh, bring on guests, and guests come on and talk about how they're working in the community and, and what's working for them and what they're doing. So, Wayne Pinigigi, thank you so much for being on, and uh, please introduce yourself. Ah, uh, miigwech, buju. Uh Anin and Dinaway Maganadog, Wizawa Benes in the Gu, Makwendo, Dame, Bawating in Yunjaba, Bawating is going again and being the gay be a gaz guy, eh? Nungumadash, Besho, Gawaba, Biganaka, Genda. So, yeah, Buju, all of my relatives. Uh, my name is Wayne Soames. I am the tribal liaison for Mahabi Atwa Community Action Partnership in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Um, I am a member of the Sault Ste. Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians. Uh, over in uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, there in Sault Ste. Marie, and you know, I, I right now I'm, I'm working as a tribal liaison. Um, my background is early childhood. Um, I spent about ten years in in Head Start, and right now I'm currently helping out doing some work in Parent Aware, uh, working with childcare programs and family childcare programs, and I'm very happy to be here. Wow, we're really happy to have you. Uh on tonight you know i i want to jump right into the questions because i know we only have a couple segments with you but it's it, i'm so happy that you're on and to be able to, to speak your truth and uh and educate our our uh our listening audience and that's all we do here at native roots radio so i want to just jump into the uh first question what do you believe are the key elements of a successful language revitalization program and, and i know that is so important if we don't have our language we are not a tribe right Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of our sovereignty is based off of that. And, you know, I think, first of all, um, everyone in that program, they need to be on the same page. And depending on what you're working on, whether it's it's new vocabulary, you're doing something with grammar, or you're even working in, in full-blown immersion, uh, the folks in that program need to understand that common goal and what's trying to be done. Or you start may, may to lose people, you might start to lose your way. I was told this story uh, back home in uh, over there in Sault Ste. Marie. They were putting together a language retreat um, or some type of camp with the intent of being a full immersion um, camp. Uh, but once they got going, they started to realize how difficult that was. And then, you know, they slowly started to get back into English. And then eventually they were only speaking, speaking English. Um, mm -hmm. So even maybe trying to scaffold it, you maybe start here, work our way up here. But having that common goal... Um, and something with Anishinaabe Moan, Ojibwe Moan, um, which are such difficult language languages, um, definitely get you know those elders involved and, and those knowledge keepers and those those people who who grew up you know protecting the language, speaking the language, um, and even fluent elders get some uh, excuse me fluent speakers get some of those fluent speakers involved as well. And yeah. oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just uh, going to jump in and just say, you know, our language, we had a couple generations where whether it was boarding schools and after boarding schools where our relatives were not speaking the language and 
I talk about this a lot. In 1978, I was a junior in high school, and that was when we first legally were to be able to practice our own religion in this country. So it's not a thousand, two hundred years ago that that it's been an attack on Native Americans and uh, uh, what we've been doing and what we stand for and our language. So uh, I didn't mean to cut in, but it just makes me think that you know the young ones are really kicking it in in a sense because. I'm a former high school teacher, and I know that I have students or former students that are speaking the language, and we never really had the opportunity in my generation. Right. And, you know, I think like my generation and the generation behind me, uh, we're losing elders every day and some of these fluent speakers. And, you know, having having that opportunity to be able to learn from a fluent speaker, just, you know, just to listen, um, to talk to them, to ask them questions. Um, that's so invaluable to being able to to protect the language and, and, and kind of keep it keep it alive and and you know tapping some of their knowledge to to try to pass on to that next generation um yeah and and you know talking about the next generation as well i i think you know another important part of a successful revitalization program is in, involving those children the whole idea of um revitalization is to ensure know the longevity of the language and that's going to be through you know our children and our children so getting those those kids involved as well um and two 80 percent of um brain development you know happens within the first thousand days of a child's life and if you're speaking that language to them they're going to make those those connections um i i try to speak at home with my kids it's it's tough for me it's still something i'm trying to work on but when I say Oji Mishin to my son, like, oh, give me a kiss. Like, he doesn't have to think about it. That connection is there. And it's, he doesn't have to translate. He doesn't have to, it's natural for him now. Um, so, yeah, getting those kids involved, too, to the, in these programs is important. Yeah, it is. And what about the parent, parent Aware program? I know to have the parents buy-in is really, really important. Tell us a little bit uh, about that uh, your program that you are uh, kind of spearheading there. How does that, how does that work, and how do you how do you make the parents aware? Yeah, so parent aware. I'm a uh, parent aware coach, so I help out family child care child care programs. Um, you know, parent aware helps programs find opportunities to improve their program quality, um, supports them with the tools and resources they need to exceed, and celebrates the work they're doing the, to create lives for the children, to create better lives for the children in Minnesota. Um, Childcare programs, they can receive up to $4,000 of grant money to put towards the program, um, you know, new materials, curriculum materials, toys, um, anything that's gonna improve the quality of their program. But then also families can receive up to $8,500 um, worth of early learning scholarship money to help pay for their, um, to help help support their 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 children in that program um, and then also you know higher rates for ccap which is based off you know income levels but there's a lot of opportunity there for the provider the parents um they're in uh in parent aware and then to the the resources available to the early child care programs um they get a they get free coaching they get a professional development advisor um so it, it's really a great program Wow, it does sound like a great program. We have a, 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 one of our regular listeners, or I should say watchers, of, uh, we're on Facebook Live and YouTube too. She wants you to say, uh, you know, I guess Ojibwe, uh, give me a kiss again. Um, <laughs> do you mind saying that? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. Ojimishin. Ojimishin. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, I want to get into, and Time's flying here in this segment, but I, I want to get into uh, one of your most memorable experiences, and uh, I want to save that for next segment because we only have a, a minute left. What? How do you feel like uh, with your with your? Well, we got thirty seconds left here. Uh, <laughs> time's flying here, but I, I am here with Wayne Sums and Sums, and we are talking about parent aware coaching and also uh we're here you know this episode of native roots radio is presented in partnership with little moments count and we're going to take a quick break 
Uh, after this short, uh, we're going to take a quick break. That's all I have to say. Hey, you're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm Wake. Stay with us. We are your relatives. We are your relations. Brothers. Sisters. Sons. Daughters. And and some of us are your grandchildren. We are your community. Historically, we held places of honor and respect. Because of the impact of colonization, some of us are rejected, thrown out from family, friends, and community, set up as targets for sexual violence, sex trafficked, humiliated, tortured, and murdered. Everybody has the right to be safe. We are your relatives. Remember, homophobia is not traditional. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. The time is now. Contact your legislator and tell them to pass paid family and medical leave for Minnesota. Learn more at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by the Minnesota AFL-CIO. Students at participating Twin Cities high schools can get a summer's worth of rides on buses and light rail for just $30 with a summer student pass. From June 1st through September 5th, students can get unlimited rides on buses and trains up to a $3.25 fare. For a list of participating schools and to purchase a pass, visit metrotransit.org slash summer dash student dash pass. Again, that's metrotransit.org slash summer dash student dash pass. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This episode of Native Roots Radio is presented in partnership with Little Moments Count. Hey, we're here with uh, Wayne Soames, and uh, we're talking a little, uh, you know, parent-aware coaching and a little uh, Wayne's background and talking about the little ones and how important they're to get engaged uh, with our culture, with their culture, and uh, just important, important things. I want to get right into a a quick question here, and uh, I want to ask you what some of the most memorable experiences you had while working with Head Start. I think... Uh, that's that's set the plate there uh, and tell our audience again welcome back yeah thanks again for having me uh you know i it's definitely has to be the relationship the relationships built um not even no not only with the students the kids but too with the families uh whenever i go back home to the upper peninsula and i see a family that i used to care for their their child or children um it's like seeing a long last friend you know they're entrusting you to take care of their their, their little one, you know, and I, I taught uh, 16 months to three years. So kind of that toddler age and, and to leave, um, you know, their child that young in someone else's care. Um, you know, it, it's pretty incredible. But, but the, ne- the kids, they never they, they never remember me, <laughs> which is OK. <laughs> but uh, but, you know, a couple of years ago or yeah, last year I was in a store over in Park Rapids uh, where I was teaching and saw one of the families I, I work with and was catching up with the mom and um, the student came over and, and, you know, the mom told her who I was and she just stood there and stared at me for about 30 seconds. But then you can kind of see the light bulb click and like a little smile on her face. And she came over for a hug. And, you know, mm. it, it, it's just it's just like those little moments there where it's like, all right, you know, maybe I did make an impact, a difference in this kid's in this kid's life or, or you know, they, they, I made their time special when they when they were with me. Um, but I, I think it's those kind of moments that uh, that are most memorable for me. Wow, that is that's awesome. Hey, you know, you're a grandson of uh, a federal Indian board uh, school survivor, and how how has that impacted you and your work? And, and I know it, it's impacted uh, most Native Americans. Know somebody 
uh, a generation away or two generations away or even uh, closer than that that went through boarding school. So how, how has that impacted your work and who you are? Yeah, I only learned this. So I'm in I'm in my 30s and and I only learned this uh, like a year, year and a half ago. You know, I was telling my, my mom, she's over back in the Upper Peninsula still. And, you know, I'm in Minnesota here and she was over visiting it. And I was telling her about some of the language stuff that I've been doing. And I asked her if, if grandma was able to speak and, and she told me, you know, and that's when she told me. And even that my my mom, uh, my grandma passed away when my mom was only about a year old. And and so it like that whole connection to that part of my life uh, was kind of lost. And, you know, because my, my mom wasn't able to even share anything with me. Um, but it, it definitely it, you know, I, I do. It was elders talking about boarding school experiences and hearing it firsthand that that kind of got me back back trying to learn Anishinaabe Moan. And I just think, you know, nights when I don't want to do anything or it's too hard or anything like that, you know, some of these elders they, you know, fought tooth and nail to to keep it alive and to keep language alive and culture alive. And now it's kind of our jobs to to, to help get that to the next generation and, and to help keep passing that on. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, it plays a huge, huge part in, in what I do and with language and, and culture and everything like that. Yeah, definitely. And I, I heard uh, from a, a matter of fact, Lakota Dakota uh, a speaker and he was a teacher in my school and I, we speak Ho-Chunk, which is kind of a Siouan uh, language. And, uh, he told me to learn a new word either every day or every couple days and never say the English version again. So replace that word. And then in no time you will be uh, speaking, uh, not fluently, but you'll be able to speak and understand a lot better than you did, say, three months earlier. But that that sounds like an interesting game plan. Um, you know, I want to know how you create an effective plan for providing language revitalization services to your community. What What is your game plan? What is your strategic plan? I'd, I'd really love to hear that. Yeah, so kind of what you're talking about, you know, have folks try to try to get them to start thinking in, in Anishinaabe morning and get away from that, you know, that colonizer, that English, that English way of thinking and speaking. Um, but then, you know, trying to mimic and, you know, hopefully something on this side of the state comes up. Uh, but there's a language program over in Cloquet, Minnesota, called the Ojibwe Motadida Omakitakimenang, or OOG for short. And they do adult programming. But then they also do family programming. And they pay, uh, they, it's with young children, like early child care, but then they pay their parents to be there at the program with the kids. So it's not just the kids you know, spending six hours a day there, four days a week, getting this information. The parents are getting the same information, so they're able to to bring it back to the home and, and to expand on that. And I just think that's, you know, that's so great because some of these, you know, the kids, they're getting the language at, at school, which is good, which is awesome. But that's as far as it's going. And because maybe the parents aren't speakers or, you know, uh, something like that. So, um yeah, hopefully yeah. something like that come comes about over here. No, that's a that's a I, I like that plan because as we talked a little bit earlier, um, you really need the parents to buy in, and okay. and by helping them financially too it makes a lot of sense, so they can um, take that time to to go to class with their young ones, and uh, that's a, a really I like that plan. That's a really really good plan. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was going to ask you one other question here. I said, what have you learned, you know, about leadership and, you know, like collaboration from your time in early childhood education? And I, I think that's a loaded question. I think uh, you probably <laughs> have learned a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, as a former teacher, early childhood teacher, and still as a, a relatively new parent, I have a three and a half year old and a one, uh, one and a half year old. Um, it takes a village or, or a tribe. Um, and there, there's so many moving parts to that and so many moving parts to early childhood to make sure all these children's needs are being met. 
Um, they're, re they're receiving the services they need, whether it's speech, um, occupational therapy, anything really to meet their individualized family service plan. It takes a lot of people to get a lot of that going um, and to make that work. And, you know, during this whole process, I think it's important to be an ally and an advocate for that family and, and kind of take a, a leadership role um, on that way and really collaborating with the family. Because a lot of that, um, you know, that wordage and terms being used in those scenarios and those meetings um, are really foreign to these parents. And so being someone in their corner, um, you know, and it could be scary, uh, a scary thing. You know, maybe their child receiving services or something like that and they expect it or um or it's just new to them um but you know having that communication being an advocate for that parent and, and but then just working as a team too and making sure you know the team um helps that parent feel at ease and and so yeah that's a good one hey so we got like just a couple minutes left and i i I'd like to uh, ask you to speak upon anything you'd like to speak uh, on, on your program here and uh, the parent aware coaching, uh, uh, you know, and how important that is and to our listeners and especially, you know, our Ojibwe and Lakota, Dakota and Ho-Chunk uh, listeners, uh, the how important it is to, to get back to our roots and uh, learn our language and our way. And um, go ahead, Wayne. Yeah, uh, with, with Parent Aware, you know, like I mentioned, there's a lot of money there um, to the programs. And, and more importantly, there's a lot of money there for the families who, who go to that programs. So, you know, if, if you don't, if you're having thoughts about it or second thoughts or, or maybe you're looking into it um, and maybe it doesn't seem for you or you don't need the money, um, but your, your parents might, your families might. Um, and, and I think that that's something that really comes into consideration. And, and two, if, if you're um, indigenous or, you know, and, and you, you're running the child care or you're working in the child care, kind of like, like what you said earlier, Robert, you know, just using one word a day. Um, and if that's the only word you know, using that word instead of the English word, um, including some, some cultural ideas into the classroom. There's a lot of indigenous curriculums, Ojibwe curriculums, Lakota curriculums to help help with some of those cultural practices and ideas and language to really include it. Um, you know, I, I know you've had Barb Favor on before and the Indigibox is, is great and I get those for my kids and, you know, they, they, they love to go through those and, and use those different materials and we've made drums and, you know, different, different items. So it, it's been um, you know, there's a lot of those resources out there. Wow, Wayne, thank you so much for stopping in. Very, very informative. And, you know, I also, not only are you informative, I want to say uh, keep up the great work, really. Uh, we need more uh, men like you uh, to lead the way, uh, and it's good to see you here. And really keep up the great work because uh, our young ones depend on us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Robert, uh, you know, off the Jigomi glitch, uh, thanks for having me here, too. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for letting me share my, my story. And, yeah, appreciate it. Thank right. you. Right on, PD. We'll have you on again sometime. Thank you, Wayne. Uh, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. And up next, Dr. Stately, a Native American community clinic here in Minneapolis, the Twin Cities. Stay with us. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. The time is now. Contact your legislator and tell them to pass paid family and medical leave for Minnesota. Learn more at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by the Minnesota AFL-CIO.
Life is a journey, and the Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas will help you get where you want to go. Located in downtown Minneapolis, this affordable two-year college provides free textbooks, a laptop, meals, career coaches, and a metro transit pass, making DFC the perfect pathway to a bachelor's degree. Turn your dreams into reality at Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas. Apply today at dfc.stthomas.edu. Students at participating Twin Cities high schools can get a summer's worth of rides on buses and light rail for just $30 with a summer student pass. From June 1st through September 5th, students can get unlimited rides on buses and trains up to a $3.25 fare. For a list of participating schools and to purchase a pass, visit metrotransit.org slash summer dash student dash pass. Again, that's metrotransit.org slash summer dash student dash pass. The appliance industry is suffering from major delays with shortages on the horizon. The specialists at Warner Stelling have the area's best selection with thousands of appliances in stock for fast pickup or free delivery. Shop 10 Minnesota stores or at warnerstellion.com. Consumer Reports published their 2023 Best Vehicles Report, and Toyotas from Rudy Luther Toyota dominate the list again. The Corolla, the Corolla Hybrid, the Corolla Cross, and the Camry all top their Best Value New Cars categories. The Camry Hybrid, the Highlander Hybrid, the Corolla Hybrid, and RAV4 Prime all ranked as Best Green Choices. And my personal favorite, the Toyota Sienna, also ranked in the top of its class. Toyotas are not only gorgeous, they're best buys. Test drive one today by going to Rudy Luther Toyota, 5 miles west of Minneapolis on 394. Hi, this is Chad from AM950. Snap Construction is arguably the most well-reviewed roofing, siding, window, and insulation contractor in the metro. Ryan is so excited about working with AM950 and our listeners that he wants to help us grow. This is Ryan, owner of Snap Construction. I was friends with Chad long before I started marketing with him. I was a bit skeptical of radio advertising before Chad convinced us to run ads. The advertising's been so successful, we want to help the station grow. We've absolutely loved working with the listeners of AM950, and we all know how extreme important this radio station is to the community. To help AM950 grow, Snap Construction will be putting up proceeds to assist the station in marketing on social media. Snap Construction encourages you to follow, engage, share, and interact on the AM950 social media platforms. Together, we can all work to ensure AM950 continues to thrive and grow in our communities. We stand by our work with a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee. For a free estimate or more information on our financing, call 612-333-SNAP or check us out online. With your AM950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 60, Thursday showers and storms with a high near 69, and Friday sunny with a high near 61. Grab a tray of Cafe Lattes Cafeteria and select from a wide variety of sandwiches, salads, and soups. The bakery features fresh baked breads, cupcakes, and more, while the pizza and wine bar has gourmet pizzas that pair perfectly with their 30-plus wines by the glass. Located off Victorian Grand at St. Paul or at CafeLatte.com. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Wakanjahare. This portion of the show is supported by Minnesota 350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, we got Dr. Stately on for a quick segment here. A lot happening here in Indian Month here in Minnesota. And I just wanted to make sure we got Dr. Stately on to talk about one of his pet projects. And I'm really excited. We have an open house coming up. Dr. Stately, thanks for stopping in. Um, I know you're super busy and you're usually our Monday go-to person, but we wanted to get you on now with this uh, great open house. Well, Buju, everyone. Thank you, um, Robert Chimiguich. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and the invite. And hi, Haley. Good to see you as well. Um, yeah, so NAC is having our open house on Friday, um, May 19th. That's in a couple of days from today. Mm -hmm. um, open house starts at 10 o'clock in the morning and goes till 2 p.m. And some pretty exciting stuff we're doing. Um, so just general things to know about the open house. Um, free swag bags for the first 200 adults that show up. Oh, um, wow. And there's um, all kinds of really cool stuff in the swag bags. There'll be a whole bunch of things, some stuff in there for kids as, as well. So if you come and you have a kid with you, there will be some things in there for them for them as well. Um, but we're only giving them to adults. It's because we have a first aid kit inside there and a couple of other things that we don't want small kids to get their hands on. So that's why we're only giving them to the adults. Um, we'll have two food trucks. 
um, Trickster Tacos, which everybody loves the Trickster Tacos. Um, And then also Russell's Traveling Kitchen, which is like burgers and dogs and a few other things. Um, We'll have a a big um, uh, thing that, uh, attraction that everybody loves. Everybody seems to love it. It's uh, pretty exciting. I I remember the first time I walked through it, the Rolling Colon will be here on site. Yeah. (laughs) Did you do that one time? That was like so cool, yeah. The Rolling Colon. So you get to walk through a a life-size rolling colon, right? So like you're like, you're. It's like, bigger than life size because mine mine's not that big. Well, yours isn't that big, but you so like you're just basically a uh, walking through that colon. You're a food particle, is what you are. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, this <laughs> is a get... this is a celebration of the twentieth anniversary or annual. Yeah, oh, it's our twentieth anniversary. So we're really excited about this. Um, we came up with and we even. Um, kind of did an adaptation to our, our existing logo to sort of like come up with a specific Native uh, Native American Community Clinic 20th anniversary logo, which is on all of our things. It's on our swag bag that you'll get, um, a few other things. Um, oh, and also one of the other events that I want to kind of um, point out, it's on this flyer. So people aged 50 to 80 years old will have a chance um, who have smoked commercial tobacco cigarettes um, can um, uh, participate in a lung cancer screening event that we're promoting and they'll get a $25 gift card if they consider getting a lung cancer screening and signing up to do one. Um, that's in a partnership with the uh, Minnesota uh, University of Minnesota's um, Masonic Cancer Center. Um, and I want to just kind of tell everybody like, you know, I actually went and got a lung cancer screening on uh, myself um, mm-hmm. and um, they made a little video about it that hasn't been released yet, but I remember going and doing it and it was so simple, really right. easy, not, not scary at all. Um, it's a really simple process. You can get in and out within like, I think um, 15, 20 minutes um, uh, of the process. Um, and then you get your readings and your results a little bit later. A radiologist has to read those things and get back to you. Mm-hmm. It's really important for us to do those screenings. I just kind of want to put a plug in here because um uh, in Minnesota, Native Americans have much higher dis- rates of disparity and inequities around um, lung cancer-related um, uh, diseases writ large than the rest of the population. And we also have higher rates of mortality, and a lot of it has to do with us not finding out that we have lung cancer or, mm-hmm. or catching it early enough to sort of actually um, um, intervene and mitigate um, mortality and death. So. Well, um, Doctor Stanley, you to do that. I do that uh, lung screening once a year because I want a, a like a, 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 a starting point. So if they see anything different in the next yeah. year, yeah, and they will be able to catch that soon. So that is yeah. a great idea and a great opportunity for people yeah. to do that. Yeah, and you get twenty five bucks that you can walk oh, down the wow. street and get a get an iced coffee at uh, Powell Grounds, which is right across the street. Um, and so those are some things that we're doing and we'll have a lot of like, um, tabling out there. Many of our partners will be here. Um, it's always a fun event at the, uh, Native Community, Native American Community Clinic open house. And we have lots and lots of fun during the hours of one to are between 12 and one. We're actually going to have a special program specifically. We're going to do a, um, an event where we're, we're calling our honoring our founders, mm. honoring NAC's founders, um, who helped the people who helped to establish the clinic 20 years ago in February of 2003 when we opened our doors. And we're going to be honoring um, founding board members who have passed on um, uh, two really important founding board members who passed on within the last few years. Clyde Belcourt, of course, yeah. everybody knows him. He's the AIM leader and um, uh, uh, a leader and a grandfather of so many of the organizations that are sort of serving the Native community um, across the Twin Cities and across the Minnesota and, and in many ways across the nation. So mm-hmm. we're going to be honoring him and his his um, children will be here to receive um, the honoring and um, and the gift we have for him and, and, and basically our thank you for for um, that contribution. Um, the other uh, board member, founding board member we'll be honoring was Larry Leventhal. He was the lawyer, great 
lots of people know who he is. He was really critical to helping AIM get started. He wrote a lot of, you know, he represented a lot of those folks who were um, uh, having uh, legal challenges and um, legal issues related to um, all of the things that were going on in the late 60s and early 70s. And he also helped establish NAC as a corporation and a nonprofit and wow. uh, helped us write our bylaws. So we're going to thank him as well. And his family will be here to um, accept. That's um, crazy. He uh, really helped out. He's a lawyer that has the hair, right? The, the yeah, 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 yeah. He just yeah. passed on a couple of years ago, right? He passed on in January of 2017, a month after I started working here as the CEO. Oh. Yeah. And one thing I was talking to one of his, I was talking to his sister, Paula Massell, who's actually going to be here to, to receive the honor for in his um, uh, honor or in his absence. Um, I was telling her that when I was um, 19 years old, I got a DUI and um, my mother who knew Larry Leventhal helped me um, get in touch with him, connected me to him. And he helped represent me and get that um, DUI taken care of. I was a, um, a young, young man um, and um, new to college and a bunch of other things. And um, that was a scary moment in my life. And he was yeah. really instrumental in helping me with that. Um, and then I think the other the other founders we will recognize, um, I will will recognize an, um, a living uh, founding board member who is Lyle Iron Moccasin. He's still on our board. He's been with us for 20 years now. Um, and then we'll also honor the founding providers who left Indian Health Board um, back in 2022 and helped us to establish this clinic. So we'll be honoring our founding um, providers, Lydia Karos, um, Dr. Dr. Karos, um, Dr. Lori Benazic, Dr. Um, Carol Crush, um, one of our former board members as well, and also um, uh, Susan um, Hibbs, who is still a provider here at the clinic. We just celebrated her 20th wow. anniversary with us as well back in February. 20 years. Um, and I'm hoping my grandmother shows up because my grandmother told me the other day that she was one of the first patients to come to NAC way back in 2023 when it first, or 2003 when it first opened. And I told her to show up because I'm going to make sure she gets a taco and a couple of other things. So darn, so, um, get her a blanket. I know. Get her a blanket. One of the original patients. Good Lord. I don't know how many of you are left. So we might have right. to do something special for you. This would be a great day. Um, the other part of the program is we are going to unveil um, some of the renderings for our new building that we are proposing to build at the front of the property that we just purchased a couple of years ago here on Franklin Avenue along the Cultural Corridor. It is going to be a two-story clinic with four floors of affordable and supportive housing above. Um, and it's an, our, our opportunity to describe the project and talk to the community about the um, about the um, the new building and mm -hmm. to sort of get some feedback from them about the renderings and the things that are going to be in the clinic. So great opportunity for people to see, get a sneak peek at what the building will look like. Let's go over it again. We got like a minute left here. Uh, Friday, this coming Friday uh, on Franklin Avenue, Native American Community uh, Clinic. It's located on 1213 East Franklin Avenue, right next to Maria's Cafe and everybody in the planet seems to know where that is yeah. right next door. <laughs> and um, please show up between 10 and 2, eat some food, spend some time with your relatives, both here at the clinic and also in the community and have a lot of fun. And you'll get to see some of our plans for our, um, the new clinic coming up in 2024. And you'll get to see Dr. Stately. And, I, and yeah. I know you have a great crew there, so you'll be master of ceremonies and all chill. And then your crew will be running around crazy because there's a lot of moving parts here. Yep. Yep. And come walk through the rolling colon. It's always fun to, you know, like, you know, you can see the things that are kind of going on inside your body and the things that, well, why it's important to get a colonoscopy when you turn. I think they just changed it to 40, actually. So, yeah. Yeah. I think so, um, and that's because we're finding that many, many more young people are actually developing. Uh, colon cancer earlier and then we do a better job of catching that early we can actually save people's lives and improve yeah. the quality of their life over a lifetime well hey dr stately thanks for stopping in i know you're super busy but i think it's important for our community and our listeners to hear 
hear from you and especially about this open house, open house that's happening Friday. Peeny Gigi, thank you so, so much for being on Native Brits Radio. And we'll talk to you soon and we'll see you Friday. Yes. Chimiguich. Gigawabman. Oh, this is Native Brits Radio. Up next, Wendy Pilot with our Sacred Animal section. We'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. Oh, Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. When it comes to mental health, making connections with others can be a way forward. How do you reach out when you need someone? What do you do to support those who struggle? Connections can bring comfort, hope, and joy. Find ways that work for yourself and others like sending a text, sharing a moment, offering a hug, seeing an old friend, creating space to listen. Visit cmentalhealth.org. That's cmentalhealth.org. cmentalhealth.org. If you've made the decision to level your home and build new or to renovate, hire Better Futures Minnesota to take it apart by hand. Think before you scrap. Think of the energy and greenhouse gases saved by diverting what can be reused and recycled from the landfill. Better Futures Minnesota can do it for you. Hennepin County residents and public entities, there are funds available to make the environmentally right thing to do comparable to demolition. Check out BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. That's BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howling! Oh, we got Wendy here howling and... uh, we are, uh, I want to introduce my awesome and beautiful wife, Wendy. Wendy's been an animal advocate for many, many years, and she's been speaking about our sacred animals and advocating them on Native Roots Radio for oh, almost eight years now. So I just want to hand over the show to you and uh, say, Peeny Gigi, thank you uh, for what you bring to the show and bring all the way, all the airwaves across Turtle Island because I learned so much, even on that one um what Friday was that, that it was uh, Positive Friday, and it was like, <laughs> hey, these are all downer yeah, ones. They Remember that a lot? I do. I should find that again. It was pretty funny, though, because we were all like, look. The next one. We were all like, okay, this one's going to be a really good and happy one, and then it was like, oh, that's a downer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them, and I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level. It's always my pleasure to do that. Oh, Yeah, I got an email this morning at 10.05. You were still sleeping? (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it's from uh, Dr. Maureen Hackett, who is the founder of Howling for Wolves, which uh, we really appreciate the support here. Uh, So here it goes. I'm going to just read the email that I got this morning from Howling for Wolves. Minnesota legislators turn its back on wolves. This is from Howling for Wolves. Dear Wolf Advocates, the Minnesota State Legislators Environment, Climate, and Energy Conference Committee excluded our legislation to prohibit wolf hunting and trapping from the final bill. The ominous bill? Yep. The legislator... 
has squandered a historic opportunity to protect one of our most cherished cherished species. We won't let our profound disappointment get in the way of our advocating to ensure the survival of our state's wolf population. The prohibition on wolf hunting passed the House of Representatives by a bipartisan vote with a huge margin of 69 to 57. The bill did not get a vote in the Senate. With only a one-seat Democratic majority, the leadership was protective about what votes their members should take. As a result, the wolf hunting prohibition was excluded from the final omnibus environment bill. Our work at the Capitol highlighted the need for wolf protections to new lawmakers and the bipartisan House vote showed us which lawmakers are willing to protect our state's wolves. We are hardened to have so many allies in our fight to ban recreational wolf hunting and trapping. Our presence also showed the Department of Natural Resources how much opposition they will face if they propose a wolf hunt. Still, we know it will be a hard fight. The DNR opposed our bill and they definitely had a seat at the table with the lawmaker, lawmakers who ultimately decided to exclude our legislation from the final conference committee bill. It's fair to ask why an agency charged with protecting our natural resources is so committed to leaving the door open for wolves to be killed for recreation. Last week, the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association said it would boycott its falls governor's deer opener to uh, pressure Governor, governor Tim Walls to support wolf hunting instead of wolf conservation. This highlights the intense desire of special interest groups to kill wolves. Those who support wolf hunting equate it with wolf management, which ignores the basic biological and social aspects of the wolf that makes hunting them so dangerous and threatens their continued survival. While this is a setback, we put our wolf on the agenda going forward at the Capitol. We will continue fighting to ensure that the wild wolf survives long into the future. Howling for Wolves thanks you for your tireless advocacy. It's because of your work that we got this far, proving that your your voice matters. Your activism in this fight for state protections keeps the wild wolf in Minnesota safer. Keep on your your lawmakers and the governor to protect wolves by prohibiting wolf hunting and trapping and enforce poaching laws. Live and let howl, Dr. Maureen Hackett, founder Howling for Wolves. So it is a setback, and it is kind of like, really, all this work and that one, you know. The- so where where is it at now, in a sense? So wolves are not protected, or can they be hunted? Can the, well, they have a season? Where is it at until um, we're next gonna year? Ch- we're going to check with uh, Dr. Maureen Hackett, but I believe that they can call for a you know, a uh, wolf hunt. So who would call that? The DNR? I think so. Yeah. Cause... Yeah, we'll have to check with uh, Dr. Maureen Hackett. Maybe uh, tomorrow we can have her call in and, and, and give us, like, what's what's the next step? What do we do now? You know, we you know everybody worked really hard. Um, you know, I know a whole bunch of us showed up for Wolf Day. Okay. We showed up for, yeah, we showed up for Humane Lobby Day, um, which mm-hmm. the Humane Society of the United States put on, uh, Howling for Wolves put on Wolf Day. I mean, we had two really large groups of people going in and talking to their legislators, um, their House representatives, about the importance of um you know, keeping the wolf alive in Minnesota. And it all comes down to that, you know, just a little bit of voting here. And well, they... politics gets involved with what's mm-hmm. doing with the right thing again. Yep. Right? Exactly. It's really sad. So, again, you know, like it said here, um, we're going to move forward and we're going to keep on it. And we're going to keep on, we need to keep on our lawmakers. You know, I would suggest everybody called. Tim Walls, our mm. governor, and tell them how disappointed they are mm-hmm. that this happened um, and that we want him to keep 
protecting wolves. And we don't want these special interest groups to mandate what's going to happen to the wolf in Minnesota. Well, I think he supports it along with uh, Peggy, yeah. uh, Lieutenant Governor, because he was uninvited to uh, the fishing opener. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's huge because of his support uh, for uh, the non-fighting uh, or non-killing of wolves. Mm-hmm. And I think it was something else too. Oh yeah, gun control. Yeah, they didn't want him there because these sportsmen want you know to shoot stuff with the AR. 15 and blow it to smithereens i don't know i know it's really i know it's a big mess it really is so we'll just wait you know we've gone through this before there's always setbacks um you know it ebbs and flows throughout the years and we just have to you know move forward and keep keep fighting and keep you know i tell everybody just figure out who your um you know your senator is your Mm -hmm. house representative um, and, and just go and meet them, go right. and meet them, call them on the phone, tell them what you care about. Well, we have these, uh, democratic senators and, um, uh, representatives that are, I don't know, would in, in rural areas, I guess is what, what mm-hmm. you say. And they're afraid to lose their constituents and lose a vote or, yeah. or whatever. So that is really disappointing because, you know, We've been talking about wolves from day one. I know, for eight years. For day one yes. about protecting wolves. Ever since we've been on the radio, we've been doing that. Yeah, And we here we are. It's eight years later, and what are, we're in the same place. And mm-hmm. in some states like Wisconsin, a worse place. Yes, they had a terrible wolf hunt there. Uh, it was mandatory. People came out of the woodwork all over from all, all over the United States to come and, and shoot wolves. Yeah. Um, 72 hours, the quota was over the quota. They went over the, in 72 over. hours. Yeah. And yeah. it was supposed to be what, two it weeks? A, it or? was a bloodbath. It was a literal bloodbath for these poor animals. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wendy, thanks for that update. That's important. Yeah. Because- it's a little bit disappointing, but we have to just, uh, you know, shake it off and move forward and just work on it. Keep on working on it. That's all we can do. Well, these updates are important, and I want to thank the doctor for sending out that email, too, because uh, it's important for us to stay plugged in and and keep on fighting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We'll have to get in touch with Dr. Maureen Hackett and have her on next week for an update. Right Mm -hmm. on. Yes, definitely. Hey, if you're listening to the show, you're part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops. The ground on which we stand on is sacred ground. It's the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group run for office, vote, protect our wolves, Mm -hmm. and all those things. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier. Now.